Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Knox. My name is Michael Mansour. I'm joined as always by my soon-to-be-reunited co-host, Alexander Voltsalo. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That is a new discography, for the most part, uh, every episode. And today we are discussing... The band Suicide. Not the topic, although maybe by the end of the episode we'll get there. Uh before oh, we get we're going to get there oh, for sure beginning. immediately uh, before getting to anything. I highly encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Pope Jesse Ventura and Alex at Mother Puncher. We will be posting uh, the artists we're currently listening to. So if you want to be a part, send emails, send your best, uh, worst, favorite albums of that artist, whatever. Uh, you can uh, send your emails or whatever to uh, every album ever at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest an artist for us to cover, you can also uh, email your suggestions there. Uh, end of the episode or now, if you want to just skip all this bullshit and listen to our favorite suicide songs, there should be a Spotify playlist uh, in the description of wherever you're listening or watching. Uh, we do this for every episode. So if you want to go back in the archives, uh, listen to what we feel are these bands. Awesome. Awesomest songs or whatever the hell. Uh, yeah. Everyalbumever.com. You know, follow Alex directly on Spotify if you just want to cut out the middleman entirely. It's all fun stuff. And of course, you know, YouTube, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know the drill. Who cares? We're going to talk now. Sp uh, suicide. This it was suggested to us by Cyrus. Uh, thank you, Cyrus, for the suggestion. I didn't, I had not only forgotten about this band, but didn't even realize that it is the perfect band for this podcast. It's like, it's such a <laughs> wild uh, a wild band, like uh, musically, they're wild, but I mean, the history of this band, how important they are, what they influence, what happened with them is such a fascinating fucking story. Uh, I want to talk about this band a lot. They are, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to say initially, if you're a casual music listener, you will not like suicide. I'm going to say that I think boldly. Yeah. Uh, this is the the worst band for me to listen to right now when uh, anxiety is running high in the middle of a move in quarantine. It was uh, it was rough. Mm -hmm. uh, it's intense. Not really, for, not really for me. I had a feeling. There's some, uh, there's, some uh, there's some gems. I had in a, here yeah. I had a feeling. We are definitely. Uh, I, I had a feeling they would not be an, an Alex band and. Really, they're not really a mic band, but I, I was very surprised at how much I did like a lot uh, because it's OK. So Suicide, they're a duo, electronic. They help pioneer electronic industrial noise, experimental stuff. They help pioneer all these things that they didn't really sound like, like down. Like, I mean, I guess they kind of have dance elements uh, and they're kind of dancey, but it's it's a weird thing because the music sounds nothing like what their existence was or what they're known for, what their shows were like, the, the, yeah. the lyrical themes. I'm uh, I'm going to throw out a lot of uh, descriptors here, but uh, to me, it's like, if you took like craft work, Velvet underground, Nick cave, uh, the character, Steve Brule, <laughs> someone with low, and then uh, Low Rider, Oldies, and John Carpenter, and you just stirred all those things together. That is the most bitter and disturbing stew I've imagined in recent memory. Good God Almighty! Uh, they are also 
kind of credited, like semi-credited with coining the term punk music. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty huge deal. Uh, considering I mean, they sound nothing like any punk band. I mean, for the first 10, 15 years of their career, <laughs> their, their shows would end in violence. And what's more punk rock than that? Not a so damn thing. They earned it. They fucking earned it. Literally ending in riots. And there was a lot of bands that, that were known for just riots. Like I think Reagan Youth was another band that every show ended in a riot. Uh, another really not welly, not, not welly, not properly documented band is Reagan Youth. But Suicide, uh, uh, the like ahead of, ahead of their time is usually spoken of as a compliment, you know, uh, retrospectively or years after the band. But these guys were ahead of their time in a way that was extremely dangerous for them. And like, it's not that they were musical geniuses or they were doing this crazy, uh, you know, uh, thing that will live on for centuries, like a Beethoven or something like that. It's just that it was so, it so didn't exist that people reacted with violence when they heard it. Cause it was so like, what the fuck is this? Get the fuck off the stage now. Like they were just mad yeah. at these guys. Yeah. At the time, there's nothing anyone could, <laughs> could latch onto. And uh, I found an interview that Noisy did with them, and I was surprised how sharp these dudes were Very sharp. in their advance in in their advanced age. Mm-hmm. And you know, they were talking about the evolution of music and kind of how economically for two guys, this this makes a lot of sense what they did, and then. On top of that, they heard disco and thought it was kind of corny, but they're like, that's the that's the future, what disco is doing. And then they talked about like, and then from disco you get you get hip hop, and it was like, wow. So a lot of I feel like a lot of artists they they get into what they get into and they create a bubble. But hearing them talk about that, I was like, wow, these guys are still paying attention to new music and how it changes. And they can very much link things to each other. And I was uh, really impressed by that. That's uh, that's one thing because like these guys are bona fide artists. You can definitely make a real and substantive argument that they're not talented musically, especially (laughs) the singer, Alan Vega completely get that argument. I'm going to make that argument that he's not a, he's not a singer for damn sure. But boy, are they, they smart. They're really inventive. They're bold and they're very brave. Not to reference an old Batman cartoon, but the, the, it's just, man, their, their entire approach to, to being musicians is, is so, is so much something that I admire. And I just became fucking huge fans. The more I read about them and the more like I had, I, I, I think it's better to mention it earlier than later. Um, it's like, I think it's every person's duty. If you're at all into punk to listen to 23 minutes over Brussels. Uh, unless you got in, if you listened to it or if you read about that, I did not. That is a infamous, um, infamous recording of a suicide show where they opened for the clash in Elvis Costello, mostly Elvis Costello. Uh, I think it was in, no, I'm already fucking forgetting it. Um, let me look at the year. It said, yeah, it says June 16th, 1978 in Brussels. And 
it was, uh, they were, they're playing, you know, songs off their first album and it was 23 minutes and it's called 23 minutes over Brussels, over Brussels because it was 23 minutes before they were forced to leave the stage because of how fucking gnarly it got. And it's all documented. And, um, you, you hear the reaction, like people are booing them before they even get on stage and just because of the way they look. So already you're not dealing with a good crowd. Uh, and then they start, they play their first song and you're hearing like a, a mix of like really enthusiastic, like, fuck yeah, dude, like really enthusiastic applause and whistles. Cause it's like so weird. And then the most hardcore booze you could ever imagine. And then as the show keeps going on, the booze get more and more intense until someone, uh, steals Alan's mic. And then the, the whole crowd erupts into to like cheering, like, yeah, fuck these guys. And then you hear uh, like the manager saying complete, the show will not go on if you don't give us back the mic. Give us, and then you hear uh, Alan saying, we're just poor musicians like you guys, man, please give us back the mic. And it was like, it's really heartbreaking. And oh man, it's fucking it should have been on the list. I, I would have listened to and this. It, it was, I didn't know about it until last night, honestly, uh, when, oh, I started, when I started okay, really okay. like reading, I, I went crazy last night doing and reading okay. interviews and stuff. Um, and it was like, it was really devastating. And, and then you hear him getting, uh, more and more angry, like, fuck you guys, man. Fuck you guys. Like, we're just trying to do our thing. Like, fuck you. And you hear the, uh, people in the audience, like give him back the mic, dude. What the fuck? And then you hear other people just booing like crazy. And then they go into a song off the first album which we will absolutely talk about uh which is a very lengthy and disturbing song and uh he gets a replacement mic and he starts singing the song acapella he's like fuck you guys i'm just gonna fuck the music well i'm just gonna start uh singing this by myself the crowd is booing uncontrollably and then the video ends with uh alan vegas screaming shut the fuck up this is about frankie losing his mind (laughs) and walking off stage and then it ends like it's the most fucked up, sad thing. Like, and I think, I don't know if it was, uh, uh, Martin Rev, the, the, you know, instrumentalist or Alan who said this, but they said that was just one. There were plenty others like that and worse that we got, we sure. ended up covered in spit by the end of the night. Uh, every show ended up right that, that show, the 23 minutes over Brussels show, uh, when Elvis Costello went on stage, um, because at certain points during the during the recording, you hear them chanting Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. Uh, he goes on stage and he's pretty angry about how they treated him. He was like fucking livid. He didn't do an encore. Uh, the cops ended up coming, tear gassing the place. It was like a, it was a full on right. It was a full on fucking right. Holy shit. Uh, and I think uh, I, I may be mistaken, but I think I read that uh, following that Elvis asked Alan. Uh, you think, can you give me another riot? And he's like, I'll give you another riot. Like, just because of that, like, fuck these people. Let's just fuck them up all over again. Like, uh, nice. So I have a lot of respect for Elvis Costello for that. Like for sure. But that's what these dudes went through just to be one of the earliest electronic bands in the punk scene. Uh, one of their earliest punk bands, one of their, to be that different was that, was met with that much hostility. Uh, it's just fucking disappointing in, in humanity, honestly. It's totally a a rights of spring situation it is. where where it's not like right the spring, music yeah. is that it's not really that insane. It's no. just when people don't have things to latch onto, they go crazy. Um, 
gone off topic a little bit because uh, I feel like they're also unofficially uh, from East LA. Alan Vega, Martin Rev sounds like two guys from East LA. It does a lot of stuff they do. I could see uh, that shitty uh, group prayers loving, like loving this and prayers very much two man uh, op- electronic operation mm-hmm. so it's just like yeah to this day people are are doing this the suicide thing yeah it, it's unbelievable how much it in, inspired and here's my favorite thing that my favorite fun fact that i accidentally stumbled upon about this man and then nothing in this podcast history will top this for me is fucking bruce springsteen covering suicide a suicide song because he's such a huge fan of theirs i think he like he, yeah. he even wrote out a eulogy after ellen vega died uh, a couple of years ago, like the boss is a suicide. Like what the? F- oh yeah! Holy shit, yeah. man! These guys he, uh, really had some reach. He loved their first album. Uh, there's we're getting a little bit ahead, but yeah. whatever. It's just more time to talk about the music. Um, when they did their second album, they were recording next door to him, and that that's when they like became friends. Mm. And I don't know how long he he did it, or if he still does it but he closed like closes out his concerts with uh dream baby dream yeah yeah and uh he was almost like i guess i went down to the wire he was trying to perform that song at the super bowl like he almost did dream baby dream at the super bowl that would have been fucking crazy Oh my God. That would have been insane. And like for people who haven't heard suicide before, when we start to play the music, you're going to be very fucking confused by all this. Cause it's like, we're talking about how influential it is, but it, it is fucking kind of aged a little bit. The, the way Vega phrases and sings, I could totally hear why Bruce Springsteen yeah. liked it. Obviously. Dream baby. Dream baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you just change the way the music's presented, a few of these songs are obviously Bruce Springsteen yeah. songs. Or like it's a no-brainer for him to cover Dream Baby Dream. So crazy. Uh, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to forget anything before we jump into each album. But uh, maybe maybe the backstory, how they met, how they formed. Um. So there's two guys from New York. Uh, I didn't find how they met. I don't know if you did, but I found kind of how they, uh, Martin Rev tells this story about purchasing his first drum machine mm-hmm. from an elderly couple. And they were like, this used to belong to our daughter. She would do poetry over the drum machine like she committed suicide and i don't know if that's why they're called suicide but he's just like it's so crazy yeah that someone i didn't even know was thinking the same way i was thinking yeah. that we could use this machine to do something totally different but unfortunately she you know passed killed herself yeah. for whatever reason and yeah that's just so so pretty wild. That's fucking crazy. Wild story. Yeah, that's actually, man, that's really upsetting. <laughs> like, fucking, 
it kind of, I mean, it puts a lot of things into perspective. Like this is a, a really weird band that I don't feel like a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to, but God damn, there's something about them. That's really like uh, the oddness in like there will be this, we'll talk about it song specifically, but it's like, it's not on the surface morbid or dark or creepy, but it really kind of is like, it's just something really twisted about all their music. And then obviously the lyrical themes just kind of add to it. It's it's fucked up. We're gonna talk about it. Let's let's, let's dive into it. So, let's do it. Uh, suicide put out five years over the course of the career, very spaced out, not consistent. Um, first album was released in 1977. Last one was released in 2002. Uh, but let us begin. This is the first album, 1977, self-titled Suicide. Hero. Little fun this, fact about uh, this song. Oh, go ahead. This is real frustrating because it's gonna go into like fourth gear, but it's just forever in three and two in second gear. It, 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 you, I would say a lot of their songs are like that. Yeah, yeah this is as hyped up as it gets. Pretty much. I do, man, those synths though, I like them a lot. They're, it has oh, a, yeah. that really vintage quality to them. It's so fun. It's a cool synth line. Yeah. Like, I totally get why uh, MIA sampled this and this put like guitars and drums over it. It's, uh, uh, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I'm sure suicide fans think that like probably ruins the song, but whatever. Well, another fun fact about this song uh, called Ghost Rider. Uh, I first heard it because uh, Rollins band covered it like on, I think it was like an outtake for one of my, you know, one of the, I think is one of my, one of the better Rollins band albums. And I hated it because it's just like a regular rock and roll thing. But this version, I was like, Oh yeah, this is, yeah, this is, I like this version a lot. I actually do like uh, that song quite a bit. This is the album that people go to. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't watch the interview, but I saw there's like a, a Henry Rollins interview about, about suicide mm-hmm. and uh these days you know there's a, a joke in the the metal community what is what does cory taylor think but before cory taylor really it was what is henry rollins think? i don't know that that cory taylor thing i'm not a huge slipknot guy so i don't oh it's just like any any topic in metal like you'll see like the, even if it has nothing to do with Slipknot oh it's just been memed section, yeah well this be like but what is Corey Taylor okay think? so um Henry Rollins he was he's, he's the original yeah got opinions about everything and he's great well one thing I love about uh, Henry Rollins before we move on from him real quick uh I like I disagree with so much of his musical opinion but I respect the fuck out of it so much because I think years ago uh, early 2000, maybe 2005 or something. He was on Carson Daly's show and he plugged Deerhoof on Carson Daly's show, which I thought was like the, nice. God bless you, dude. God fucking bless you. Uh, but yeah, this is the album that everyone uh, goes to. This is the album that kind of uh, blew everyone's fucking mind. I can hear immediately all the stuff that this influenced. Uh, the one thing that sticks out like a, a sore fucking thumb to me is uh, Rocket USA. Uh, because it sounds just like Youth of America from Wipers, episode 22. Uh, yeah. 
like even the the vocals and the the woo, like all that those woos and stuff. Greg Sage mm-hmm. totally lifted those from from these guys. I'm gonna catch some flack for this, but I think this is one of the most overrated albums we've listened to. Oh god damn it, Alex! Oh god damn I it! Here, like I I get it, but I also don't like it. If that's uh. I'm going to, I'm going to die on that hill. I get it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, blame you not liking it. I don't, I'm not surprised by you not liking it. Uh, I think this is an extremely niche record, uh, especially for our standards today, like, or Mm -hmm. our taste today and what's happened since, since this came out. Uh, it, the, let's just say the writing on here is extremely minimal. It's mostly like three notes or two notes sometimes, sometimes four, and then it's repetitive. It has a very uh, that kind of bass drum, kick drum, just a yeah. thumping fuck every song. It's that. And I will, I will say, having listened to their whole discography, at least there is something endearing and interesting about this album, though. Very endearing. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's boring, but a lot, like there's it. a lot of it. There's a lot of it that is aged horrendously. But I'm saying like, but it's 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 super minimal. And the reason why it was so fucking wild is because it's these this this crazy duo with synthesizers, and it's the singer is not singer Ellen Vega, which you mentioned a few times. Hold on, let me fix the camera. Um. He's not a singer. He's not a good singer. He's just pretty abysmal vocals. And on this album, he's mostly uh, like breathy speak singing. He's not even doing anything. Mm-hmm. He's doing some woos, like some some shouts. And then on one track, he does a lot of screaming, which is actually kind of upsetting. It's actually, it works for the song. It's kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, just talking like this. <laughs> like a lot of that. A lot of really breathy, yeah. kind of uh, herky-jerky, just speaking loudly kind of thing. It's not great. Um, I mean, they could have, they could have been like the American craft work, but another thing, and I wrote that down before I watched the interview is they, they pointed out, obviously like Europe didn't like them either, but Europe caught on faster as they do. The US. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, man, if craft work, was in america like they wouldn't be shit oh like nothing nothing yeah but the difference so, between craft work episode 40 uh is that they were really musically gifted i feel like uh these were, guys are, are really these guys are fine and alan vega is mostly an amazing front man he's not a good singer uh and then martin rev like he's he's doing some interesting stuff but they're not like writing they're not like composing here these are just like really simplistic like uh for example the song johnny if it if this song was played with guitars and like a regular acoustic drum set i would fucking hate it i would absolutely mm-hmm. hate it but like this with all these synthesizers i love it and i'm gonna put on a little bit of johnny just because it's this is what we're in for it This is like, yeah, it's it's cheesy. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, it's weird, uh, but that's just a rock also, and roll. Riff. Yeah. Also, uh, another artist I thought of this really obscure is uh, Wesley Willis. I thought of that too. I thought of Wesley Willis as well. Yeah. 
Although, except uh, Wesley Willis has some sort of mental deficiency where he is a schizophrenic. Martin wasn't Rapp he? does it. Yeah. Well, also Wesley Willis didn't write those songs. They're just presets on a on a keyboard. Like he just literally those those come with the keyboard. All of if you haven't heard Wesley Willis, oh boy, oh boy, uh, he has a massive discography of literally the same <laughs> song. Not a joke. Literally the same song with different lyrics. Um, I think it's like a variation of like two different songs over the, over his entire yeah. massive discography. He was literally mentally ill and like he didn't play. He was just a, it was literally a, a it comes with the keyboard. You just press a button and it plays the song. Um, mm-hmm. But they remind, it reminded me of that. These songs kind of reminded me of that because it's very Casio sounding, very, very primitive sense, very primitive sense and uh, extremely dated. But I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, last thing about Wesley is obviously like Jello is a fan of suicide. There's no way he's not. So I could see why people would hear Wesley and be like, he's a joke or whatever. And Jello is like drawing the, the dots between like him and suicide. I uh, mean, uh, Biafra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I, I find really interesting about this album the reason why i do like it is because for for like an electronic album it's like if you're looking for for fucking fun electronic music get the fuck out now this is not that yeah and if you're looking for punk if you're looking for punk not here but what this album does for me is it works in a very experimental disturbing throbbing gristle kind of way for me i don't know if you've heard throbbing gristle uh throbbing gristle is a really early on experimental band very, very off-putting, disturbing, uh, kind of like not non-music experimental, but it's like, it's like the soundtrack, the ambient soundtrack of a, of a serial killer. I feel that kind of music is. I'm not listening sure. to it for pleasure, but it, it does work for me in an artistic kind of way. Like I'm not gonna go back to this because I like it, but it, there's something really fascinating about it, you know, like a morbid fascination kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a good song. And then the other song I liked a lot was uh, Sherry. You like that one? I do. It's it reminds me of like like a character in a John Waters movie having mm-hmm. a crush on someone. Just this weirdo that's really sincere and sweet. Who's in love with someone way out of his league. And there was something like sweet and mm. endearing about that song to me. It's something, it's funny you say that because uh, a lot, that song included, but a lot of the songs in the discography, they just go full on over the top cheesy ballady mm-hmm. kind of stuff with really funny, almost like Latin percussive uh, sounds with the drum machine. So wait, let me, let me put on a little bit of Cherie. very church organ kind of uh, melody right there. Yeah. This is like the soundtrack to Ralph Wiggum's life when he asked Lisa out on a date. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. The very moment his heart breaks. Yeah. Oh, baby. Like, I don't, you know what? Uh, I'm like, cause I listened to this album like three times. Um, I I didn't I, was, I didn't hate it nearly as much on my third time as I did on my first two. 
I listen to this album a lot because you're trying to trying That's to like, understand what? it, or like we're trying to understand like, what, what people I like. I don't like it, but that's not good enough. Yeah. Anyways, so I think I might have listened to it like five times. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you, uh, I, dude, you don't have to like this album. No one has to like this album. I completely understand everyone hating this album. But uh, like I said, I, I like it in ways that are not exactly musical. And also, mm-hmm. we, have to, we, we mentioned it when I was talking about 23 Minutes Over Brussels. Uh, the song Frankie Teardrop is a oh, doozy. Man. Of a fucking song it is 10 minutes 10 minutes 26 seconds it's hard to sit through uh it's lyrically extremely disturbing it's about a, a young guy and losing it murder suiciding his family spoilers um and it doesn't do a whole lot but as the song goes on and after he kind of finishes singing these just these sounds kind of keep popping up really low in the mix. He's like weird, almost ice cream truck sounds and it's fucking creepy. Uh, mm-hmm. It gets really uncomfortable. The more it goes on. And whenever he like drops a bomb lyrically, he starts doing these weird screams that are way too loud. That really fucking scare you. It, it is definitely an art piece. This song is like, Oh yeah, I get it as a, as a, as a, a sound piece, not as a song, not as a musical thing. I don't want to fucking hear it again. Like this, it's really upsetting <laughs> and it's not pleasant even a little bit. Not for everyone, but I respect the hell out of that song. That's uh, 50 minutes of my life. I can't get back, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think his like his dog yelps are kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know what else to call them. It's just like, Woo! yeah, Woo! Woo! yeah. It, it, yeah. D- totally, dude. Like- I'm saying like Greg Sage does that on Youth of America a lot, uh, and uh, not in Youth of America. Wait, on Youth of America and uh, Romeo. On over the edge, oh yeah, yeah. He does those woos a lot, and that's like I couldn't help but keep those. Like, oh, these these guys for sure influence wipers at least with that little thing. I mean, they influenced them. I mean, listen, listen to Youth of America, like all those things. Yeah. If those didn't come from suicide, I have no idea where they came from. But that's another thing is these songs don't really build to anything. No, like after after thirty seconds, that's the song. That's the song, and and uh. Some of them go on for too long. Some of them, I mean, it kind of alternates between, you know, two minute songs and four minute songs and, and all that. Uh, and this, it's good. It gets worse as the albums go on, but some of them just don't fucking end. Uh, Frankie teardrop, at least in this case has that weird morbidity behind it. And the really fucked up lyrical themes, but, and it's the only, it's the only song that like pushes it. The rest are, you know, pretty reasonable, pretty yeah. Um, under like, um, it's thirty. It's a thirty-minute album. Yeah, so. it's yeah. It's not that hard to sit through. Uh, unless it, if man, not for not for everyone. I got. I can't stress that enough. Casual music music listeners, be beware. But if you're a, a nerd and you want to hear where it started and you like some throbbing gristle kind of stuff, I mean, if you like throbbing gristle, you know suicide already. There's no. I feel like there's very there's like 100% overlap, but uh, yeah, proceed with caution. Crazy album. It's um, it's an album I'm glad I listened to in the age of streaming because for how much hype there is around it, and like on paper, 
I it sounds like something I'm game for, but um so it's an album I would have bought yeah. and then been pissed but, off but about. So I remember this album. I think I heard it a few times when I was real young. because uh, my brother and whenever he decided to go in a deep dive of things. So I never really like sat down listening, but I think I do remember Frankie Teardrop from back in those days. So even though this is one of the most specific albums we've covered, I wasn't surprised by any of it when I went in. I was like, oh yeah, this sounds exactly what I was expecting. This is this uh, this is what I thought Suicide sounded like. Um, so I don't know what I had read that like put them in the same thing as Sparks. So oh, I was like, no way, no, no way. So, yeah, I mean, I Sparks is one of the greatest bands I think of all time. Uh, also a duo, but uh, they're closer to Queen than they are to anything else. Like yes. they're uh, yes. they're an old, you know, uh, pageantry driven rock band that's fucking incredible. Uh, these guys are not a uh, pageantry. These guys have pageantry for sure, but that's that's where the similarities end. But uh, that was uh, another thing they said in the interview is that when people go to rock shows, they go for a fantasy. But they gave people the streets, they, and that's why they they rioted. Was it Alan who or Martin who said that? Because I remember that as well. I think Martin said that. Yeah, like they were. And here's the thing: I was gonna say say this at a later album, but it kind of applies to damn near all of them. It's like Alan Vega sounds like a fucking homeless person on these songs. <laughs> like he's just shouting incoherently, and there's no like the rhythm of it is always kind of off a little bit and it's it's like how do you enjoy this this is not good music but it's not exactly the point like it was it's very punk in that in that sense where it's like yeah we're not trying to fucking freak frank Merck, frank Merck, 80 freak what's his name freddie 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 i almost said okay i said frank mercury and then eddie mercury and then didn't decide <laughs> whatever dude i don't like queen that much but let's fucking move on uh, this is the second album. 19. Okay, so on streaming, it's going to be under a different name. Originally, this album was called Suicide, uh, Alan Vega and Martin Rev. But on streaming, it's now called the second album, and it's coupled with uh, the first rehearsal tape. So everyone streaming, says this is the second album uh, plus first rehearsal tapes. 1980. <laughs> A little more, a little more fleshed out. Yep. Still minimal. Still minimal, but uh, already heavier too. There's a lot of there's mm-hmm. more bass, more low end. Production overall is obviously a lot better too. Yeah, and this album has like an interesting story. I feel like not super interesting, but interesting for a band like Suicide. Mm. That's a really hooky line. I really like that. It's uh, real strong songwriting on this album. I believe as well. So let's talk. Uh, best personal favorite. Best personal favorite. I I love this album. I was like, <laughs> whoa, these guys are good. <laughs> I my. Cu- 
might come back to this one, might mm. add it to the collection. Yeah. Despite I, not liking the previous album, I really did enjoy this. Um, so they, um, this is produced by Rick, uh, Okasik. Okay. Of the cards. Yeah. Okay. Mm. of the cars. Um, I believe he's the one who got them signed to this label Z mm-hmm. and the label like wanted them to sound like that Donna Summer song. I feel love. Uh huh. Which I, I get, I get seeing suicide and picturing them as like a full on dance band, but yeah. also like, why are you signing acts and you want them to be something they're yeah, not. It's, yeah. it's very weird. It was also supposed to be, um, produced. I'm going to say his name wrong, but, uh, Giorgio, uh, Motor or uh, yeah, not more, not motor. That's uh, I forgot. Place. Yeah, hold on. Uh, I'm gonna Google it right now because I know exactly what you're talking about. I fucking forgot. But that guy is like the synth king. Yeah, like he he's like the shit. Moroto, Giorgio Moroto, more Moroto. Fuck man, that's it's a weird. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a weird name to say, but um. But yeah, that didn't end up happening. And thankfully, Rick came in and produced it and was able to do something. I don't I don't even want to call it a middle ground. I just think they're more fully formed yeah. here. I think this is the, and he, yeah. And he produced it for free. Really? Them, yeah. He bought them new instruments, too. And what a fucking saint, dude. God yeah, damn. So it's like all these, uh, I use the phrase all the time on the show. Your, uh, your favorite band's favorite band. Yeah. That is, yeah, it's definitely suicide. I mean, the, the overlap between all the punk stuff and then Rico Kasich and then Bruce Springsteen and like, it's wild. It's fucking wild, man. Uh, and everything about this album is just, I feel so superior to the first one. And then, yep. I mean, obviously it's our best, so we like it the most out of everything they've done, but like compared to everything after, like here is like, here's what I feel like, uh, the world needed at, in 1980. Cause it, this feels ahead of its time. This feels fucking like the writing is so damn catchy. And even when it's cheesy and stupid, it's still fucking awesome. Like, uh, I think this was, I'm not even sure when new wave started, but yeah, it's, it's definitely in the early days of that and ahead of the game. Uh, which is name? Uh, Alan is doing, he's still, his vocals are still rough. They never not, they're never stopped being rough, but there's more actual singing on here. And it's not just weird, you know, speak singing. He's doing some Nick cave birthday party snarls and yep. shouts. And this was before the birthday party started doing that. So I, there's some Nick Cave inspiration, I feel like, as well, uh, because Mr. Ray, I, he sounds just like Nick Cave in the birthday party. I wrote that down for other songs, but Mr. Ray is when it all clicked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, uh, it's a newer movie called Climax that's very interesting, and uh, it's about a dance troupe. And someone slips some LSD and it turns into like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And there's like all these interesting subcultures in that movie, like uh, voguing or um, other other like dance forms. And they have like this opening dance number and they're doing like this 
this chanting thing in it. And I always thought it was like weird and it stood out to me. And then on Mr. Ray, uh, when he's doing like the doo-wop bop bop stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's it. That's why they're doing it. Interesting. Because it's not a sample, but it's so similar. Mm-hmm. And then I started like seeing, you know, all these, these things, suicide influence yeah. on that, that song. Uh, well, I still don't think this is a perfect album and not, and like, I don't care much for Las Vegas man. And, and I think super subway comedian is if you listen closely, it's what just the, the it's just the baseline to day tripper for from the Beatles. Note for note. Super subway comedian is one of the craziest fucking songs. It's I've so, listened to. I don't understand when, it. <laughs> I don't understand. I was I was laughing. I think he says like, "Watch out, man! You're gonna laugh." Yeah, was, it's fucking ridiculous. It's so. And good. I was laughing. I don't know if that was like the purpose. I don't know. It's wild though. It just fucking I couldn't let go. Like the entire basin is just day tripper. Mm-hmm. Like note for note, day tripper. <laughs> da, da 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 da. It's just it's fucking bizarre. But those two aside, uh. Touch Me is fucking fantastic. Uh, what's his name? Uh, not what's his name. I wish I didn't like Bebop Kid as much as I do. It's so good. It's so stupid. I'm going to put on Bebop Kid. It's so dumb. I love it, though. <laughs> God damn it. It's like a kid's party music. It's fun. Spider-Man says. Might as well. This is a story. It's so fucking happy and <laughs> Yeah. I like it though. And it oh man, it comes after Harlem. Which Dude, Harlem is epic. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> I love I love Harlem. That song is fucking crazy i like the way he pronounces it too it's real funny to me hum, 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 hum. yeah yeah it's it's like the uh the holla guy from dave Chappelle. yeah Chappelle show yeah sounds yeah. just like that uh and dude the screams he's something like fucking little john yeah yeah but also i think um to have that type of music res- uh reflect uh, you know, 70s crime ridden Harlem is real, real interesting because mm-hmm. I think before that, you know, it's like jazz and and hip hop. Mm-hmm. And then here they they picture this like uh, I'm sure this is before John Carpenter. So it's not even fair to but like this John Carpenter soundscape yeah. to it that really like paints a, a great picture surprisingly i'm it's i was really almost baffled by how much of this album works really well and like oh this is thoroughly enjoyable shadaz <laughs> what the fuck is that it's like this weird latin sounding i'm putting on shadaz it's just i love it <laughs> fucking love this song latin dance electronic experimental shit is what this is he's 
Absolutely, dude. I mean, I don't know about yeah. Alan Vega like yelling over, <laughs> but like oh, at least Rev. Martin. Yeah, Martin Rev would have killed it. Yeah. This album is so fucking fun, man. I I really like this album. God damn it. Uh, and then I'm gonna I I set it up earlier in the show. I'm gonna pull out the East LA connection, uh, sweetheart. Oh. Yeah, that is for the East LA crowd right there. That's that's got what you need. It's got the uh, the lowrider oldies feel to it. It does. Um, just a second. Here's a little bit of sweetheart. Yeah. Oh man, so East LA. And really, when I say lowrider oldies, I'm just talking about like 1950s. Yeah, do what? Yeah, they do that a lot. Oh man, it's a great they, progression there. Um, they do. Oh, that fuck. The song is good. God damn it. Yeah, this is great. I love this song. Uh, they do. <laughs> they're clearly fans of old rock and roll and do wop. Because uh, they they just yeah. And it's funny hearing music that I typically hate, which is do wop and rock and roll fucking not a fan but here it played with these really silly sounding synths and keyboards like that's just the coat of paint that i need that's really all i need <laughs> because I, I i like it a lot here we uh we talked a lot about like how springsteen loves dream baby dream yep but before i found that out i'm like this sounds like some sort of mark's mark mother's lou reed fever dream it it's a wild track. Dream Baby Dream. I I yeah. really like it. It was, it was so familiar to me when I when I first heard this album. I was like, what? Where the fuck have I heard this? I don't. I still don't know where I had to have heard it, but it's a good song. And here's a little taste of Dream Baby Dream. Mike's uh, secretly a, a boss fan. He's been to a lot of spirits. Shut your fucking mouth right now, Alex. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> But that, yeah, that chord progression, yeah. I could, it makes sense for Bruce. It does. Do. Yeah. I, I listened to a little bit of uh, the boss's version of it. I was like, yep, this is a boss song, man. God damn, I really like that bass line. Yeah, this... I really aren't... Like, is... As much as we weren't talking shit about the first album, but we're we're very clear that it's not it's not like musically pleasing. It's really rough and it's more crazy than it is like enjoyable. This is a fucking enjoyable album. I like this one. I think I would actually recommend this to people who who like any kind of electronic music, especially if you're into craft work at all. I like yeah, this album is really really fucking good. I was surprised how much I liked it, and I was like, man, like is. I I knew it was going to get best personal favorite and then it just kept holding up and I was like holy shit yeah, yeah. like same yeah that from the first for the first song you kind of feel it like oh this is a lot better this uh, is it this yeah. is the one yeah uh so yeah I I I'm going to keep going back to this one a lot for sure I wasn't I cuz I don't know anything I didn't know anything about the band aside from the first album I mean cuz I recognized the cover and everything and I didn't hear a word about this one uh 
So I was it's expecting. Yeah, yeah, it's always it's always the first one that that people talk about, and I get why. Yeah. It's the time it's the genesis of everything, but yeah. but yeah, this one I think deserves deserves some cred. Yeah. Hell, hell yeah, yeah. Stand by that a lot. I don't know how much shit we're gonna get for that, but they kind of don't care, man. This is a good album, uh, and more people should hear it for sure. I mean, uh, yeah. We we have hot takes here and there, so yeah, yeah. Fuck it. So let us move on. Finally, this is a beefier episode than I was expecting. Honestly, uh, same. Yeah, this is a uh, 1988's "A Way of Life." Now we've gone like full blown 80s production. Full blown 80s production. Eight years later. And it sounds as though Suicide has discovered reverb. I kind of wish they didn't, but... Uh, I agree. <laughs> I was, this specific track, I was thinking about hip-hop music and how they probably... Probably listening to some, like, Eric B. and Rockham and, and Run DMC. Yeah. It's easy to forget that... Uh, if, like like we did, like we're listening to them uh, one after the other. It's really, at least it was easy for me to forget that this is eight fucking years later. They're no longer pioneering stuff. This is, things have existed for a minute now. Yeah, yeah, now they're not really, they're trying to be ahead of the game, but they just, they aren't anymore. And it's, uh, it shows. It's it's probably insanely hard to do as an as an artist. So, I would say if you do it once, that's in, that's remarkable. Um, yes, and that's to do it your whole career, insane. Good so, fucking yeah. no way, and that's why this is my worst. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. This no one way. Yeah. If we did if we did rankings, this is a strong number two for me. Whoa! Wasn't expecting that. Was not expecting if, that. If I'm going, I might even revisit, I'm debating if I want to revisit this one, but if there is a second album that I'm willing to listen to again uh-huh. on my own free time, this one. Unbelievable. I am very surprised. This one was, man, the drop off from this one to the, uh, from the last one to this one, I felt like, oh, fuck, this is going to be rough. This next few albums are going to be rough. Uh I only I noticed it here. I noticed it eventually, but uh-huh. I didn't think it was here. I was really thrown off by this one. Uh, so the reason why, like it was between this and another one that I was debating worst. And the reason why I chose this one is because like, it's just such a, such a huge, like where or I thought they were going one way. There's mm-hmm. a huge gap in the career and they come back with something that is not even a little bit interesting to me and like the things I do like on here, they're so like almost accidental, accidental, like the song surrender, which that's, uh, that's like uh sweetheart. That's the, uh, low writer. So surrender is, it uses the fucking awful doo-wop chord progression and the doo-wop chord progression for music theory nerds is one six four five so for when you're when you're looking at a scale i'm gonna do a little music theory stuff um i'm really bad at this part of it but i do know a little bit um each note in whatever scale has a number attached to it, or it's usually roman numerals attached to it and you kind of organize those 
those numbers, you know, in, in different progressions. Uh, if you Google one, six, four, five in Roman numerals, you'll get YouTube videos of all the fucking songs that use this chord progression and there's countless. And this particular progression is known as the doo-wop one because every fucking doo-wop song used, I'm going to play it uh, just the beginning of it. So you know what I'm talking about. This is surrender. That's the one That's six. This is totally- that's four. And then it ends with five. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. It's that's what that is. Uh it's it's been used five five hundred million thousand times. Um and in every David Lynch movie TV show ever. Yep, yep. (laughs) And here's the thing I like this song even though I fucking hate those chords and it's because the presentation is so big, spacey, the female vocals on here sound really good. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's presented in a way that, that kind of compensates for the fact that I hate, hate, hate those chord progressions. So it's like an accidental enjoyment of, of that. And then the other song I like is Dominic Christ, which I only like it because it, it like, it's a cool in a Beverly Hills cop kind of way. It reminds me of like an eighties movie with a name like that you would think it would sound evil, sinister, maybe like Harlem, but like you said, it's Beverly Hills Cop wackiness. And this is Dominic Christ right here. (laughs) Man, that bass is out of control. It's cool, though. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I. You know what? The, you know what this song sounds like to me a little bit. Uh, theme, theme for a jackal by the Misfits. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I could see that. Yeah, uh, I think uh, "Suffering in Vain" has some really cool sounds. However, I think there's some some good screams on there. Yeah, it, dude, I like the soundscapes they're doing. It's really kind of fucking brooding and dark however it's real long and it gets old real fast to me and then after that i do not like anything else on this album uh boy uh, howdy you're you're crazy because reign of ruin oh i think i love that song. you love that song that song was this instantly good to me holy instantly shit liked it for whatever reason uh-huh. i think it's real good uh, on jukebox, baby 96. I like, it makes me laugh the way he says jukebox. It sounds like he's saying juba baby. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like that. Oh, fuck. I hate both those songs. It like, so, uh, and then go ahead. Oh, the <laughs> other, the other banger on here for me is devastation. If I drove around an old beat up black Cadillac, this would be the song playing out of the car while I holler at ladies and get slapped with some sort of uh, lawsuit. So here, let's hear what uh, what Alex's uh, jail song is. This is Devastation. This is my jail song. It's real sleazy. Yeah. You... Let me holler at you. It is pretty holler. Yeah, I get it. Uh, 
that 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 little riff in itself isn't so bad. Uh, and much of the problem I have with all this, because I didn't I didn't note that I didn't hate the song at all. Uh, it's just if I do find something I like, my god, does it not end? It starts to drag and fucking drag, and I didn't I didn't feel it on this album. Really, you're you're copying what I'm going to say for the next yeah the next stuff. Uh, so jukebox baby ninety six. I don't. I hate the production on this album. It's so every song is gigantic and echoey, and the reverb is cranked the oh, fuck up. Also, still produced by Rick O'Case. Really, that's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, it sounds weird, and I don't. I personally don't like the way it meshes with the band. Uh, so jukebox, jukebox baby ninety six is jukebox baby ninety six is so rock and roll silly. And the way it meshes with this giant, big reverb production, it just fucking weird to me. And I, just, it just like where earlier it had like the charm of like a, a a Casio kind of charm, where it's like, oh, this is weird novelty sounding stuff. Here it just sounds like fuck. Well, here this is a jukebox baby. I keep now I'm mushing the word <laughs> the way he is inadvertently. Jukebox baby ninety six. They should spell it phonetically. They should. Rock and roll. Like there's so the the amount of echo on here is disorienting. It's out of control. It's out of control. Yeah. Also, the Elvis thing that he does is fucking hard. I can't I can't get behind it. I think he was a bad. Yeah, I imagine. You my baby. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like a, uh, a solid B horror movie to me, and uh, like musically, right? Like the same way people watch like B B movies. So this um, I first of all I found it boring, which is the main one of the biggest reasons I I couldn't get behind it. Sure. But like there was no quirkiness or uh kind of um unintentional creepiness or scariness the way the first two albums kind of had like these songs sound like fairly straightforward electronic music uh that's just weird whereas the other ones had this kind of like underlying morbidity to it and kind of like yeah that's kind of awful when like it seems kind of scary like this this doesn't have very much of that and the reason why i went with this one as worse over another one is because it kind of ends with a thud uh Whereas I feel like uh, other stuff kind of at least ends with something a little bit stronger. So like, I didn't realize this album ended the, the few times I listened to it. I was like, Oh, I guess it's over then. Like I wasn't even, I just mm-hmm. kind of tuned out because it just, it loses so much steam toward the end. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what it does. If I don't want to immediately hear an album again, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not into this one. So it's not like obvious worst. I don't think it's an obvious worst album, but it's just the one I felt I didn't want to go back to the most. I think you're fucking crazy considering <laughs> what's coming up, but all right, fine. All right. Oh, I'm excited for the next ones. All right. This is <laughs> 1992's Why Be Blue. This 
this is probably what the label wanted 12 years ago. Right. It sound like Dumb Summers. So if you listen to this little melody, I'm going to refresh your memory. If, you, if it didn't hit you, that is very, the very same melody as the Mortal Kombat theme. Dun, 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 Yeah. Not there, but... Imagine Suicide doing the Mortal Kombat theme. I guess it would just be this. It would be this, dude. It would be fucking crazy. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Alex, I, what, what do you think about this? This is hands down. I don't even know how it's not your worst. It's my worst, least favorite this i get it i get it <laughs> this is an abomination and like i said you were stealing a lot of things i wanted to say this is like this is when i was like oh my god the reverb holy really shit, this reverb. one really yeah it, i think it's fucking out of control here all the like everything has reverb on it the yeah drums the synths the vocals um so any like interesting vocal things he would have done previously like his barking or yeah just being a weirdo is this under this layer of monotonous same bpm song it's the same song start to finish oh uh, for the most part so the the reverb is still is still bad I thought it so the way I listen to these albums, I listen to them instead of doing two and two, two listens, two listens. I listen mm-hmm. to each one once and then I, I repeated it. So I listened to them back to back. Mm-hmm. And doing that, I guess the the echo on this album is not as jarring. It's still bad, but I think if I'm I may be mistaken, but I think I like the song Play the Dream, but I think that song had significantly less reverb on it. Whereas you know what? I'm going to play it just to refresh your memory. This is Play the Dream. All right. Yeah. So this bass line alone already doesn't have any reverb on it. Uh, this is this song is the reason I'm like, oh, okay. It's not at least it's not every song that's covered in echo. Uh, also, if you want an example of an out of control one, cheek, cheek. Holy shit. Oh, okay. Here's here's Cheat Cheat. Uh, specifically the drums. God damn. It's a lot, but I don't feel like it's any more than the last album. The last album really has so much. I don't know. And this song fucking sucks, by the way. But like, this is an awful fucking song. Uh, I was listening to it, and then... I was like, Jesus Christ, does this song end? And then I looked up and I was three minutes in a Moak show because <laughs> I didn't realize Cheat Sheet had ended and Mojo began. Yeah. The, and then yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I need to get it together. Let me focus on this. And then Pump It came on and I'm like, Worst. I'm done. Yeah. This is going to be a long, this going to be a long night listening to this album. I will give you that. The entire first half of this album is rough. Like it starts out, it starts out bad and it just, it holds that badness for the fucking while. I like play the dream. And here's the thing. I like play the dream for this album. I don't like it mm-hmm. for a suicide song. I don't like it 
like in the grand scheme, I'm not going to pick it as one of my favorite songs. Sure. Of but just compared to the first five songs, it's like, oh, okay, something I can grab onto. Uh, and the then only, go ahead. The only song that stuck out to me was Hot Ticket. And even then, that's, it's not a great song. No, it's fucking it's ridiculous. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's just goofy and silly enough to stand out from the monotony of everything else. It's goofy as shit, dude. But I like flashy love because it's right to me it's sleazy cocaine night music uh and that is enough to sell me and then also i i dig universe uh, uh you don't like it thing is i like those two songs enough and it ends with those two songs therefore that's why i did not pick this as worse because like at least it ends with that without a bitter taste in my mouth where the other one was like oh fucking okay good it's over uh i had a better t- taste start to finish i don't blame you but uh also, uh, a side note, I don't know if it was if it happened with you, but uh, both Flashy Love and Universe had a ton of skipping on the versions I listened yes, to. Yes, yes. I, I, I don't know if it's an Apple thing, uh, but because I, I, I tried two different versions of this album and both versions, there was a lot of skipping on it. Okay, maybe that's just the, the way the tracks got transferred. That sucks. That's that's an injustice. That sucks. Um. Cause that's really the two only the only two songs I like on the album, and they're, they're like full of skipping. Uh, so I'm not worried about going back to this one. I don't didn't like it, and I, I I really honestly felt like it was as bad as the one before it. Like it was just picking. It, it came down to almost logic, which one I felt was worse. And the logic to me was at least this one ends with two songs I'm okay with, whereas the other one was like it's two songs scattered, and I fucking hated the rest. Uh, you're crazy. I fucking crazy. I both of these albums are not great to me. This one is almost as it's just as bad as the one before it, honestly to me. Uh I feel like uh we started off agreeing yeah. and then in the middle we're disagreeing. And then on this last album, I feel like we're gonna come back together. We're gonna come back. I think we're gonna come back. I think we're gonna come back. <laughs> but yeah. this is a crazy fucking band, dude. <laughs> it's such a weird this is one of the weirdest bands we've covered. Like it's so, and a lot of people hate this next album too. And so, this by process of elimination, I'm surprised neither of us don't have the animosity for it. Yeah, dude, I don't understand what it is about our musical opinions that is so different from the the, the lex. I don't know if lexicon's the right word. It's probably not, but the the, the common uh, music culture or whatever music fans are called. Uh, but God damn it, this is how we feel. That second album is way better than the first one. And we're going to talk some not that much shit about the next album, I bet. So <laughs> let's yep. move on to uh, fucking 10 years later. This is uh, 2002's American Supreme. Whoa. Them some rec- record scratching. Whoa. That was surprising. Very. I was like already, already better than anything on the last album. But is every song gonna be like this? That was my yeah. That was my answer. Funk it. I like the I like this song more than I should. I think. Hey. Even older and more deranged. Man, 
Those vocals are fucking weird. Yeah. So this is a hip hop track, but with pretty much a maniac on vocals, not rapping or really singing. This is he's he's doubled down the reverb, added a ton of delay as well, and this is kind of a song, really. Like it doesn't go through some giant shift. It's just a lot of that. Yeah, that song kind of works for me. Um, this is the first album since their debut not to be produced by Rick. He pretty much produced their the bulk of their albums, mm-hmm. but not this one. Um, yeah, this album caught some flack. What, what happened with this album? Because, I mean, it's quite a huge I gap people- between the last one and this one. I couldn't really find out why or what happened, but I think people wanted, like they were saying, people have now after they, they have clout now in yeah. the nineties, they, you know, people started recognizing them. I think people wanted, you know, that minimalist electronic stuff. The first but, album, they wanted the first album basically. Yeah. But to me, listening to that interview it's not that they're minimalists it's that they're trying to project into the future they're Mm -hmm. trying to make what music will sound like in the future now and i think they kind of did that here because this sounds more like something that would be in like 2012 to me than 2002 it's not that it's an amazing thing, but I no. think their their mission of being futurist was very much accomplished on here. I don't know how I feel about that because I'm not super familiar with 2012 music unless it's like Swans or something, you know, something that's not exactly, you know, yeah. in, in the mainstream. But a lot of one thing I really appreciated because like obviously I'm not a huge fan of the opening track, but it was already so much more interesting and strange than anything in the past two albums. I was like, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with this. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, as, cause this is a pretty lengthy album. It's like the longest album, about 50 something minutes, 51 minutes. And this, the songs are way too long. The songs, that's the, that's the biggest issue. The, has, songs, I think. the songs are way too long, but there you, they're so unpredictable. They, the, they tackle so many different weird things on here. So I yeah, think I'm going to go ahead and, and probably say my favorite song on the album is Misery Train. Really? Dude, it's a morbid Macarena. That's what that song is. It's All right. like, it's so weird. And it, it's like, it's so silly and like, like the Macarena that at a certain point it starts to become, it starts to, to be weirdly disturbing to me. Like, Okay. <laughs> I, I'm putting it on right now because I really like this song for some reason. For sure, Macarena vibes. So, like, immediately it's a gets. It's Macarena, but like in a minor key. And it's all right. It's kind of silly and dancey, but it goes on. And I, I like that this song is so long. It's like five minutes or five minutes and a, and a half. 
as this thing keeps repeating and going on and on, it's like, this is weird, dude. What the fuck is this? And it kind of starts to get into your brain a little bit. Like, that's that's not right. This is not right. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's fucking weird. Good ass song, oh, man. Nah. I did have some some peaks and valleys on here, like swearing to the flag. I had t- terrible, awful Vietnam flashbacks of the previous album. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. song made me worried. Yeah. Um, Vegan for Miracles, you got some of that, like New Jack Swing on it, which is uh, the most popular song, or, or at least to me is uh, Belle Bib DeVos, Poison. Oh, uh, right. Well, what I liked about uh, Begging for Miracles is it has legit-ass bass fuzz on there. Like, uh, Melvin's Boris caliber bass fuzz. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, dude. That's I mean, it doesn't sound anything like those bands, but the, the bass definitely does. Um, wrong Decisions. I think they sampled the same horns that Wu-Tang did on Shame. It's funny you say that because uh, I wrote that that song should be an awesome Public Enemy song. Like I, it just it has that that era, that late eighties, early nineties hip hop era all over it. Yeah, I think I think it is the same horns. I should have I should have tried to do more research, mm-hmm. but it it sounds very similar to it. Um, Death Machine has to be like the most techno song we've covered on this podcast. It is. I know I'm putting it on now because when you say the most techno song, I'm like more than tour de France by Kraftwerk. more, more than tour de France. I think this is death machine. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) 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 Fuck dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering why I forgot this song. Now it's hitting me. Uh, I mean, that's it. That's, that's it. really that's it. That's the, the song. song. So I, at a certain point, I really had to know. I literally wrote down verbatim. This band is, fu- is so fucking crazy because uh, American mean it's, it's, it's really suicide in a nutshell, like conceptually, because it's totally an early two thousands dance track, but with just a yes. homeless man yelling over it. It's yes. fucking it's so weird. This band is so weird. <laughs> like, I really appreciate them. It's so fuck. I would never listen to this for pleasure. It's just, <laughs> no, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't like an album you throw on for fun or even because it's good. Yeah. It's just kind of if you're fascinated with suicide. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly am, which is why I do still yeah. like a lot of this. Uh, I and, and I think. Uh, unironically, I do like uh, Child, It's a New World a lot. I think that's a solid song, too. For that song, and you can apply it to a lot of other ones, Child, It's a New World, that's some that's some prime video game menu music right there. Let's Perfect. Let's, let's just do it. This is, the, this is it right here. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is going to be on the, like... Marvel vs. Capcom 4 soundtrack. Dude! Yeah! Yeah. It's really fucking groovy. I dig it. However, I do... I mean, obviously, this is not a perfect time when we're saying shit like, don't listen to this for pleasure. It's not. Yeah. But... And I also think that I Don't Know, uh, the song I Don't Know is a pretty weak closer 
for such a beefy spastic album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's decent. It's just fucking weird though. That's, that's the draw of it. It's just, where is he going to go next? Yeah, it's just, I, it's weird. And to me, it's in, you know, it's in their character. Yeah. I don't you know. I don't get why people fucking hated it. I'm surprised that people hated it. Like, I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised by anything these days uh, with reactions to stuff, especially art. But uh, I mean, it's they've always been fucking weird. What are we we're expecting them to do the same kind of weird? Yeah. To me, to me, a band like this has set them up to do anything yeah. where like you sh- shouldn't really be surprised. It's insane. Like it happens. I mean, it happens all the time where, where bands or artists get put in a box. And even if it's a really innovative box, it's still, mm-hmm. they're still expected to, to continue that trend. Uh, like, but some are let off the hook for it. Like a deer, yes. a deer hoof is let off the hook for not staying in the same box. Melvin's are let off the hook for not uh, swans, you know, bands that, but thing is others are like discouraged for it. And it's like, like, like all of metal is discouraged from, from deviating. I don't, it seems fucking haphazard, dude. I don't understand. Like, do you want innovation or do you not? I don't know. How to, fuck you public. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Fans are the worst. The worst, including myself. Including myself. Yeah. If a band ever stumbles across me talking about their band, don't don't listen to me. Keep doing keep doing you. Honestly, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, who fucking cares, dude? Like, I, as a guy who makes music, if you like it, cool. But if you don't, I'm not gonna make it differently because someone doesn't like it. Like, how mm-hmm. how would I do that? How would I? Who, who, who cares? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, so I appreciate how fucking weird it is. I appreciate how completely wacky it is. Uh, not going to go back to it. I don't think, but sure. I think it was a uh, man. I'm glad they went out on this album. than the, either the previous two, uh, fucking crazy. Same here. Yeah. Same here. <clears throat> Except not that I thought, right. Yeah. I don't even know these albums. Names a way of anymore. life. Yeah. A way of life yeah. is bad. I just, but I agree. I think, that's what we agree on. Way better to go out on this note yeah. than why blue. Yeah. Why be blue? Uh, I'm curious uh, to Alan Vegas and Martin Rev's solo stuff because I mean, there's huge gaps between suicide albums and they've been they're sure. active the whole time. I'm sure it's weird, and that's about all I'm sure of. Yeah. Who knows what you're gonna get? <laughs> I'm afraid, honestly. Um. So, do you know any of the reasons why they're so? Uh, random with the releases what happened after this one i do not because the extent of my research on here was the one interview in wikipedia and it's not really covered wikipedia mm-hmm. i know they kept playing shows mm-hmm. pretty uh, and their last was in 2015 and then uh mr vega died in his sleep 2016 yeah yeah that was so, a- uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the biggest fan, but you know, I'm glad they got their shine on towards the end of their their life or yeah. in their old age and good for them. And honestly, uh, whether or not you like them and I'm going to go ahead and assume that if you're listening to this you don't like them unless you unless you're Cyrus and you asked us to listen to them. Um, <laughs> uh, we definitely needed them to get a bunch of shit that we do like. 
for damn oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so like, weird how influences shape things. And even if you hate the original boy, does some crazy shit come out of it. If you go on the wiki page and you go to the legacy section, there's a million bads mm. in there. A million bads. So it's wild, man. Like reading, reading the interviews and like, you know, obviously listen to that old recording and then t- reading about their live shows. It's like, these dudes are so fucking inspiring. Like that fortitude to just be up there while everyone is not only, cause I've been playing on stage and people are just indifferent and they don't care and they're ignoring you. And that's fucking, that, that's hard. That's hard to, to, to push through. But when they're hating you and spitting yes. on you and screaming at you to fucking kill yourself and to leave the stage, that's a whole new level. Of like these guys are fucking awesome. Like to be able to go through that and like, Clearly, they're not the only ones. Anybody who kind of steps out of any uh, comfort zone of an audience will get that. I remember, uh, I think it's a it's a known uh, instance of, I think it was Prince opening for the Rolling Stones, I want to say. And he was just boo to high hell and they were throwing stuff at him and it was like a horrible thing. And I think my mom was there. She's the one who told me that, but I'm pretty sure it's like a known, oh, sure. a known event. Um, and yeah, it's just because that crowd was not fucking ready to hear some Prince. Like... It's just to be able to push through that and and persevere, even though it's really one of the most humiliating and devastating and painful things you can go. Like it's public humiliation on a massive scale. And these dudes went through it for years <laughs> and the riots and the violence. And the one thing I forgot to mention with the, the 23 minutes over Brussels recording is at the end of that night, the end of that riot, Alan Vega did, did come out of it with a broken nose at least. So like, it's not like they weren't getting hurt, you know, yeah, yeah. In the interview I saw, he was like, every night I was, he was like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna fucking die. Yeah. Tonight's the night's the night. He genuinely believed that. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off at myself that I'm, I'm barely remembering at the end of the episode. But he would bring bike, bike chains on, like motorcycle chains on stage with them. And what he would do was, uh, whenever he felt the crowd turning, he would start cutting himself and hitting himself. To make himself seem fucking crazy so that the, the audience would question whether or not to attack him. Like that was literally a method that I that he said that he did uh, to like a self-preservation method. Literally cutting yourself to scare the audience into not attacking you. The fucking I couldn't even my brain would never go there. I'm a, I'm a giant bitch, dude. I would never do that. That's fucking amazing. Like the amount of respect I have for these guys is fucking crazy. And yeah, there was another uh, random thing that uh you'd see someone like gg allen do yeah although i do think he was mentally ill (laughs) yes far more on on that side but suicide man what a band what a crazy fucking band i'm glad i'm glad we we tackled them if your band if the crowd wants to fight you and people spit on you on stage then we want to cover your band on this podcast fuck yeah because that is an ongoing (laughs) ongoing theme fucking minute man they they went through it and dude and it's funny if like if you compare a band like the Minuteman episode 16 uh who got spat on and, and attacked and stuff to a band like suicide Minutemen are not nearly as innovative or like they're i love the Minutemen. i think they're a much better band musically and I, i'll die for the Minutemen. but in terms of like showing a group of people what they don't want to hear these guys yes. did a far more dangerous thing uh, yes, I agree with that. Yeah, but 
I guess we'll wrap it up now. Uh, recap. Best personal favorite is Suicide. Alan and Vega. Or Alan Vega and Martin Rev. AKA on streaming the second album. Worst. Least favorite. YB Blue. Don't ever, ever fucking listen to that. Anybody. Hey, Alex. Why blue? Why be blue, dude? Is it because it's a bad album? That's probably why. Uh, it's a bad album. Uh, same as Alex. Personal favorite as well as what I think their objectively best album is. Uh, Suicide, Alan Vega, and Martin Rev. But you'll find, of course, you'll find it everywhere as the second album plus the first rehearsal tapes. I don't know why they, they changed the name of the album on streaming. It's confusing. Yeah, it's weird. But it's great. Listen to that one. And worst in least favorite, A Way of Life. 1988. I, I know he disagrees, okay, but I thought it was very boring. It's very a lot of reverb. Didn't care for it. Uh, I, I mean, those middle albums are kind of rough. Like, compared to what they were and then what they became, it's like, oh, this is a strange period in music like, to sound like this. Uh, although, I guess it's an entire career. They're a very strange band as we've tackled in extensive detail. But, uh, anyway, thank you, Cyrus, for suggesting this artist. I can't believe they won on the list. Like, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed that they weren't on the list because it's perfect were they not? i don't think they were dude i i really don't think they were um uh, i'm, just, I'm disappointed as someone who's built out 80 percent of that list um i would say you've I'm done 95 percent of that list that's a big <laughs> list i did not do most of this uh but it was fun and i uh, thank you again for listening and, and fucking suggesting that stuff keep emailing your suggestions everyone um and if you want to support us, you know, subscribe on YouTube, uh, fucking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the things, you know. Uh, and please, more importantly, follow me on Instagram at Pope Jesse Ventura and Alex at Mother Puncture. Uh, the the gaps between when we record and when the episode releases are getting narrower because we keep falling behind. So pretty much we're going to post what artists we're covering and just fucking send us emails, your thoughts on the artist, general thoughts, maybe your, your personal favorite, your best album, your worst, whatever. Uh, and we'll read on the, on the pod if you know, if it's substantial enough and if it's, you know, good, I'm sure it'll be good. Um, but last plug of the day is the Spotify playlist full of suicide songs, uh, that you can find in the description of wherever you're listening or watching. We got playlists associated with every single episode, so be sure to go to everyalbumever.com uh, to check all those out. Or you can just follow Alex on Spotify through the link. Uh, you know, cut out the middle, man. So, I did not once think about a last song for some reason. Uh, Weird. However, I think so I do have one in mind. If you got one in mind as well, that is also good. I mean, I'll give it to you, but I feel like we universally came together for Mr. Ray if that wasn't the one you were going to pick. It wasn't, but I think that's a, I think that's even better. I think it's even better. So we are going to end it off with Mr. Ray. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. See ya.
street Looking for the high And saw this lady She says, come over here Sing for you Look at you up Look at you up Wow. <laughs> 